Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. 2 Timothy 2.15 reminds us to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Again, 2 Timothy 2.15 reminds us to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth or one who is able to correctly handle God's word, which also implies uh, that one can incorrectly handle God's word. And we don't want to be in the latter. We don't want to be one that's accused of mishandling the word of God. And of course, in Revelations, it reminds us that uh, we can't put in, nor can we take out the word. Uh, the word. Uh, you can't put in your words, and you can't take out what's already there. So on today's episode, we wanted to continue our discussion on how to study the Bible for all it's worth, how to study the Bible for all it's worth. And on our last episode, I talked about uh, the primary question when you want to interpret Scripture. And the primary question is not, what does the Scripture mean to me? No, it's not about what the Scripture means to you. It's the first question that needs to be asked is, what is the uh, intended meaning to the original audience? What is the intended meaning to the original audience? So, in other words, what is the author trying to convey to the people that he wrote to? Then once you're able to deduce what the message is to the original audience, the next question is, is it descriptive or prescriptive? Is it descriptive or prescriptive? So descriptive means it's a one-time event for historical purposes that God wants us to uh, be aware of. And uh, prescriptive means that it's binding upon all men whatever that message is, meaning that everybody is uh, supposed to do it. All Christians are supposed to do it. So uh, I'll give you a better example. If the Bible says um, in First Thessalonians 5 and 17 uh, that you should pray without stopping, well, is that descriptive or prescriptive? That's prescriptive, meaning that it's binding upon all Christians to always pray. That's not just a one-time event, but uh, in contrast, when um, the Lord tells Moses to go to Egypt and let his people go, that is not a prescriptive text. That's not saying that you can take it upon yourself and go to Egypt, and God is going to help you liberate uh, the people in Egypt. So it's very important that as we are studying the Scriptures, we ask the primary question, which is, 
what is the intended meaning for the original audience? And once we've learned the intended meaning uh, for the original audience, then we can uh, find out what the principle is prescriptively, meaning what does God want all of his children to learn from this text, um, to apply to our daily lives and to be able to uh, move on in terms of the commandments, the uh, instructions, as well as the principles. So the first thing we want to deal with is observation. When, uh, when you pick up the scriptures, um, you want to look at the text with no intent to study the text, meaning that uh, we're not trying to do word studies. We're not trying to do cross-references. We just want to look at the text. Just observe. What, what's, what is the uh, text saying? What are the, uh, the transitional words? What are the prepositions? It says for. And most of the times when uh, you see that word for, that means that there's something that came before it and the author is getting ready to unpack it further. Uh, so when you read in the Bible, it's important to look at uh, these key words before, after, during, in those days. Uh, those uh, prepositional phrases or uh, those words are there uh, for a reason. And so it's important that we just observe. Uh, to help with the observation, try asking the following uh, questions. For example, who? Who is involved in the text? When you read uh, the uh, story of Joseph, uh, who's involved in the text? Uh, is it Joseph? Is it his brothers? It, it, who, who's involved? What's going on? Uh, who are the protagonists, right? So the, the, also look at the writer. Look at the recipients. When you read Genesis, why did Moses write the book? Who uh, did he have in mind in terms of who was going to read those writings? Uh, read about all the other people that's involved in the action. Uh, we talked about uh, Goliath and, and David, and we talk about Saul and David, and we talk about Jonathan and David. And so there's a lot going on, and we need to read and study who these people are. Who are the characters involved? So the first thing we want to do is just observe. And when, when we observe, we're not initially trying to get into deep study. We're just observing. We're acquainting ourselves with what the writer has written. We're just observing and reading for enjoyment. But then uh, later on, we go back for more in-depth study. So the who is important. Who is the story about? The writer, the recipients, the people involved in the action. Then the next W is the what? What are the key truths or events of the passage? Meaning, what are the key ideas? What, uh, what are the important words? So, what are the key ideas of the story? What is God trying to convey to us by allowing us to know about the story? When you, when you read the story of Samson, uh, you see uh, a judge that seems to be vulnerable. You see a judge that doesn't seem like uh, a judge somebody would call because of his weaknesses, but yet God called him. So what is it that God is trying to convey through the story of Samson? So what are the key ideas? What are, what are the important words? And from Samson, we, we learn 
that even though Samson had frailties, even though Samson had shortcomings, we learn from his narrative is that God is faithful. Even though Israel wasn't faithful, God is always faithful. So even though at times we're not faithful, God is, is faithful. So we learn from uh, Samson's story as well as some of the other judges uh, that they weren't always consistent, but God was always faithful. So that's the overall theme of that story when we deal with Samson's life is that even though Samson was not always faithful, God was faithful. Then not only do we deal with the who, not only do we, de- uh, do we deal with the what, we have to deal with the when. When did the, uh, these things take place? Uh, so we uh, learn about date of authorship. Now we're studying. We, we, we're, we learn about when it was written. You know, is it the first century? Is it second century? Is it third century? Is it a fourth century? Is it 1000 BC? So the date of authorship is important. Not only is the date of authorship important, and by the way, you may be asking yourself, um, how can I find out the date of the writing? Now, the great thing about uh, modern Bibles uh, is that many of them uh, have uh, prefaces or uh, summaries that deals with authorship, that deals with origin. So sometimes uh, you'll find it, uh, if it's a study Bible, sometimes you'll find it uh, as part of the introduction before the actual um, book, uh, before the book is read. You'll, you'll have to read the introduction to the book, and sometimes you'll find authorship and date in that area. Sometimes you'll find it in your footnote section. Sometimes you'll find it in the middle section uh, where the cross-references are. And other times you'll find it as part of the epilogue, meaning a uh, part where the glossary uh, lays in the back. So uh, many of these study Bibles already have this information. Uh, some regular Bibles have this information, uh, but you, you'll have to look at the different parts to find out uh, the date and authorship. And, and some Bibles have summaries to go along with it that details date as well as authorship. So um, I guess the main thing is you have to get to know your Bible. Uh, whatever Bible you have, uh, look, look in it and see if you have um, uh, information regarding date and authorship uh, and dealing with the historicity of that particular book in it. If not, then you have to get some sup- supplemental study tools to uh, help you with that information. Again, it's good to have your Bible. God has blessed us. Uh, in the kingdom to also have uh, study materials that can be used in conjunction to us studying the Bible. Get a Bible dictionary, uh, if you will. And uh, Bible dictionaries are good at helping you fill in some of the gaps dealing with customs and manners, uh, dealing with uh, historical facts, uh, dealing with the culture, dealing with things that went on during that time. So, um, that's just information to help you as you are observing your Bible. So we deal with the who, we deal with the what, we deal with the when, and now we want to deal with, um, uh, in terms of the when, uh, we, let's again review the date of authorship, duration of the action. This is under the when. When in biblical history did this occur? Uh, past, present, or future, meaning 
uh, when this event occurred, uh, was it happening in the past? Uh, was this happening in the present tense? Or was it happening in the future tense? Then lastly, the where. So the who, what, when, now the where. Where did these things take place? Uh, places are mentioned in the Bible for a reason. Uh, one of the most uh, accurate historical books you can find anywhere is the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts, Dr. Luke includes all of these places that um, Paul visited. And uh, historians have investigated the places that Luke mentions, and he is always 100% accurate. So you can trust in the accuracy of what's written in the scriptures. So the places mentioned, uh, the buildings, the cities, the nations, the landmarks, uh, all of these are written for a purpose. So when you're reading the scriptures, observe. Observe as much as you can because in observing, that uh, brings you into uh, the Bible lands. That uh, brings you closer to learning more about the Scripture when you just observe. Observe. You know, uh, now we have the Bible on, uh, on our tablets. We have the Bible on our phones. Uh, now you have Lagos. Uh, I love using Lagos. Um, they're not a sponsor, but uh, Lagos is a great software. It helps the study immensely and cuts down time. But we want to avail ourselves and expose ourselves to Bible stuff. So as we observe and look at the who, and we look at the what, we look at the when, we look at the where, uh, all of these things helps us in becoming better Bible students. So uh, all of this is, is necessary if we're going to grow in the Scriptures, if we're going to rightly divide the word of truth these processes must be followed if we're going to rightly divide the word of truth. Um, I've had discussions with people in the past, and they've, um, they've had their own notion of what uh, the passage says, and uh, sometimes it's not what the passage is saying because they've taken it out of context. And if we're not availing ourselves to proper hermeneutics, and we talked about that during the last episode, if we're not availing ourselves to the proper way to interpret Scripture, then our conclusion will always be faulty. So it's very important that we stick to proper hermeneutics. So under observation, again, we talked about the who, we talked about the what, we talked about the when and the where, we want to now shift to not just observation of the Scriptures, but interpretation of the Scriptures. Now we get into interpretation. We've, we've observed the Scripture. Uh, we've read uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We've read, we've read Acts. We've read Romans and, and Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, uh, Philippians Colossians. We, we've, we've read these books and we just read it. We, we wanted to expose ourselves to the who, what, when, and where. So we just read it. And, that, and that's great. We should read it. But there's a difference between reading and studying. When we are studying, we're more deliberate in uh, how we approach the text. When we're studying, we have our, our concordance. You may have a strong concordance. Um, when we're studying, you may have your Bible dictionary. 
when we're studying, you may have your Bible atlas. You have all of these tools of, uh, available to you, and we're getting ready to now dig in. Now we've exposed ourselves to the story. We've exposed ourselves to the narrative of Esther. Uh, we've we've uh, exposed ourselves uh, to the, the, the stories that you have been reading before, but now we're getting ready to dig in. We, we're getting ready to dig in a little bit deeper. So under interpretation, what we're saying is, what does it mean? What does it mean? Now we've read the passage. The next question is, what does it mean? And so in order to help us with answering that question of what does this text mean, uh, we have to follow the steps to interpretation. So the first one is, uh, we, let's deal with the C's of interpretation, the letter C. So the first C is content. Content, 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 and context. Uh, it's the next one, but content is so important. So the more time you spend in the observation, the more familiar you should be with the content of the passage. The content is all of the words, places, people, ideas, expression, etc. that's contained in the passage. So the content is all of the words, the places, the people, the ideas, the expressions uh, contained in the passage. So uh, content is very, very important. Uh, sometimes you'll read a book and it goes from narrative to apocalyptic. So as you're reading, for example, uh, Daniel's book, the book of Daniel, you'll see that it has a lot of narrative, a lot of historicity, then parts of it shift to apocalyptic terms and apocalyptic imagery. So content uh, also contains genres, and we have to make sure that we're familiar with the different types of genres. Uh, whether it's epistolary, uh, whether it's historical, whether it's apocalyptic, whether it's poetic. These are different types of genres that we find in the scriptures. And we must be acquainted with those different types of genres. And that comes under content. So the next one under interpretation is context. Context. What can the surrounding context of the passage add to your understanding of it? And in my experience, over uh, 30-something years of doing Christian apologetics, one of the things that uh, many people struggle with is context. Uh, it's easy to lift a passage from the Bible and turn it upside down on its head. This is exactly uh, why Paul in Galatians, the first chapter, uh, says that I'm uh, I'm surprised that you are or have quickly uh, removed yourself from the truth of the gospel, which is not another, but there be some that pervert the gospel for their own use. And in today's culture, we have a lot of perversion going on. We have a lot of scripture twisting going on. We have a lot of eisegesis, which, which means that you are putting into the scripture what's not there. What we as Christians have been commanded to do is to exegese, which is to pull out the scripture what's already there. God is not inviting us to eisegese, which is to put in the scripture what's not there. So it's important under interpretation that we deal with context, context, context. 
Uh, for example, uh, many of us uh, have uh, heard the phrase, the race is not given to the swift, uh, but unto those who endure to the end. And when you hear that, it sounds like it's one verse, but it's actually, uh, it's actually t- uh, two verses. There's um, uh, two verses that's being put together. You won't find uh, the way that phrase g- gives it to us. You won't find it in that format in Scripture. You won't find it. So uh, if you don't believe me, go look it up. I've looked at it many times. But we hear things, and then we run off with it. So context is very important. How many times have you heard people say something, and you knew that that passage was not talking about what they said it meant? It meant? Um, it's very important that we deal with context. If not, then you have doctrines like those that came from David Koresh and the, and the uh, Branch uh, Davidians in Texas. Uh, when we don't deal with context properly, then you have Jim Jones and what happened in Guyana when we don't deal with context. When we don't deal with context, then we have doctrines like those that were derived from Joseph Smith and Mormonism when we don't deal with context. We have to deal with context or we'll be like Charles Taze Russell and the Jehovah Witnesses. Context will help us stay in line and we stay, uh, stay in harmony with God's intended meaning in the scriptures. So context is very, 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 very important. Then the next C is comparison. The Bible itself sheds light on its own meaning. So we use cross-references in your Bible to seek further answers to your questions. Uh, When I was studying uh, the divinity of Jesus Christ, um, I would read the New Testament and I will find a verse, a cross-reference verse, uh, that linked to the particular passage I was reading in the, in the Old Testament. So I would go to the Old Testament verse and uh, study, on, study up on it, and it'll take me back to the New Testament. So there are plenty of those type of verses in the Bible where we're cross-referencing uh, scriptures. So, for example, um, we read in... Uh, Exodus 3.14, where uh, God tells Moses, tell him I I am sent you. Tell him I am sent you. Then we read John, and part of John's theme is the divinity of Jesus Christ. In John 8.58, he says, before Abraham was, I am. And the Jews' response uh, demonstrated uh, what Jesus said was powerful, and, and this is why the cross-reference is so important, because we know God in the Old Testament, and no one else used the I Am title except for God. So when Jesus in the New Testament used it for himself, the Jews knew what he meant. He was saying that he was God himself, and so as a result, they took up stones to try to stone Jesus for his blasphemy, so they thought. And so this is why it's important when you cross referencing. Um, to, to, to engage in what's going on and to try your best to um, make sure that you are being contextual. So comparison is very important. Cross-referencing is very important. So we've run out of time, uh, and, and we pray that you are learning something from uh, these two episodes in terms of how to study the Bible for all it's worth. Uh, continue to keep us in prayer. We'll continue this a topic on our next episode as we try to help everyone to better be 
a, bi- a Bible student that God approves of. And as always, uh, please uh, pray for us, support us financially. Go to srministries.org. And remember to do for the truth what others do for a lie. Amen. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.